Welcome to the eighth episode of Earweek Serials. I'm your host, Tyler McNamara, and for the next 31 episodes of Season 1, I'll be reading from my book, The Mother of Dark Space. Previously on The Mother of Dark Space. I never said that I turned Evermore down, just that I didn't give him an answer. She wouldn't get a badge without signing a contract. But who's to stop me from going to listen to Evermore? As she turned back to him, he asked, Where's your ID badge? A look of realization crossed his face. You might be undecided about working here. Is that still the case? That's not a question. It's an accusation, Ray thought. Where do you think Evermore will place you if my answer is no? What are you doing, Ray? I thought you wanted this job. Look at this fucking room. How are you not interested? Ray smiled, took a flippant tone, and said, Relax, Ashley. I just wanted to be sure EI was a good fit. This is the last test. She held up the folder. When the doors opened, Ashley quietly said, I'm starving. While you're here, I'm going down to the calf. Can I get you anything? Bring me a coffee. The feeling that she didn't belong there still worried her, but she summoned a hardness, pushed everything from her mind, and focused on putting one foot in front of the other. Crossing the lab, she placed her Omni on the workstation service. From the desk of Everett Evermore DSC, your first assignment at Evermore Industries is to take her work a step further by discovering, manufacturing, and producing a transbiological exchange of information beyond the electromagnetic spectrum. While we're on the subject of Ashley, I request that you take good care of him. On top of your other responsibilities, you continue mentoring him where I left off. Doting aside, Ashley is a font of talent and understands the language of technology far better than I ever will. It would be a waste to use him as a mere secretary. And now, for Chapter 7. Regression. Ray. Ray put her assignment in the bottom drawer of her desk slowly, as if her limbs were weighted down by the heaviness of the task before her. She tried to force the idea that anything was impossible from her mind as soon as she felt it corrupt her attitude, but it was too late. Evermore, what does a transbiological exchange of information beyond the electromagnetic spectrum have to do with faster-than-light travel? The beyond implies no particle or wave, leaving only strong interactions on the quantum level, or gravitational. I have a hard time believing that any living thing can feel or sense anything on the quantum level. But while we can feel gravitational force, it's already proven to be limited to the speed of light. He didn't say it needed to be faster than light, just beyond the EM spectrum. Okay, so let's assume we do this thing. My new team creates a multicellular organism that communicates using gravitons. And we also discover the graviton particle. Evermore's ultimate goal is faster than light travel. But even if we send our little organisms out into space and apply infinite gravity to get them up to light speed, they still wouldn't be able to communicate with each other because of the time barrier. Ray had reached the limit of her knowledge of physics and her patience for pointless tasks. Does Evermore really want to use me for publicity like Cantor has suggested? Or is this some kind of revenge for the house arrest purgatory that I helped send him to? But even as she said it, she remembered the warmth of his greeting. The way he said her name was as old friends meeting after years apart. Is he so evolved as to find some gratitude in his misfortune? Moving of their own accord, her hands picked up her omni and started scrolling through her contacts. They jumped to the T's and tapped the name, The Chemist. I can't do this alone, she thought. I can't do it at all if I feel like this. I just need a boost for one week, then I'll be back to normal. She held down the text-to-speech button, said, I'm hungry, I'd like to place an order, and hit send. You've got to be kidding me, Ashley said as he emerged from the elevator with a cafeteria tray covered in food. Uh, never mind. 
she told her Omni, pretending someone was on the other line. He's finally back. I'm sorry, the calf was crowded. Literally everyone but Evermore is down there talking about his presentation, Ashley said, setting a coffee and a salad on the edge of her workstation. How did you know I drink my coffee black? Because of your bitter outlook, he smiled. Don't smile, she thought, staring at his dimples. Please, don't complicate this. Her Omni chimed with a text. Tea chemist, meet at our usual spot in three days. She stabbed the disposable bamboo fork into her salad. The crunch of the lettuce and the juice of the tomato reminded her of the secret gardens on Phobos, and she wondered who grew what she was eating. What's next? Hiring your team. But what are we working on? What did Evermore say? He asked, forking some chicken strips into his mouth. Evermore asked me to build a sentient organism capable of living at speeds faster than light, she said, carefully watching his face for his first reaction. It was plain to see he believed her, which told her he didn't know what their assignment really was. But his face was all screwed up and confused. That doesn't... He looked at her and realized she was testing him. What do you think is going on here? She swiveled her chair to face him and crossed her arms. You tell me. They both stared at each other for a moment, but Ashley put it together. You think Evermore is up to something, and you're so egotistical you think you're at the center of it. It's not ego, it's data. According to you, Evermore changed his plea to guilty because of me. Years later, I receive a personal invitation to apply for a position I have no experience with. Next, I'm interviewed by Evermore's student, who is then given to me, and I'm asked to take him under my wing. Funny, that last part should have surprised him, but he just looks angry. I'm at the center of something, Ashley. Ashley threw his hands up in frustration. Where's the conspiracy? You impressed him. He offered you a job, and... His last words cut out. She was going to wait him out, but the way his lips clamped shut changed her mind. Ashley, this arrangement, she gestured at them both, isn't going to work unless we are 100% honest with each other, starting now. Truth? Okay. Evermore didn't make the choice to hire you. I did. He told me it was time to start apprenticing with someone else, and gave me three options. You were the one I chose. Or, if we're being 100% honest, whoever I spoke to at the Martian South Pole was the one I chose. She and I could work together. Who is this kid? One minute he's a nothing, the next he's... She felt her guard slipping and held on tighter. She forced herself to look into his eyes and lie. If we're being honest, I was playing you. There is nothing between us. There will never be anything between us. I'm... Don't say sorry. Willing to continue working with you, but I require formality. The jokes, the tardy delivery of my assignment, the casualness has to stop. With the verbal knife lodged firmly in his heart, she waited for him to hate her. But instead, he grinned like an idiot. He wasn't hiding behind it. He fucking felt this joy with his whole body, and it felt like a slap in the face to her authority. That smile made her feel like a weak, inconsequential child. She felt herself spiraling out of control, trapped in a dome sixty-something million kilometers from home, balanced on the edge of success and defeat, alone outside and empty inside. She lashed out for stability by slapping Ashley across the face. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider following me on Twitter at Tyler R. McNamara, M-C-N-A-M-A-R-A, and using the hashtag M-O-D-S-Book. You can learn more about the book project at earweekpublishing.com or on Facebook at Earweek Publishing. Earweek Serials is supported by you listeners. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider becoming a monthly supporter and gain access to bonus content at patreon.com slash motherofdarkspace. Or... 
If you'd like to make a single offering, visit paypal.me slash earwigpublishing. Finally, I'd like to thank the artist's silent partner for the use of their song, Frequency. And now for the second half of episode eight. Ashley. Ashley threw his hands up in frustration. Where's the conspiracy? You impressed him. He offered you a job and... His words cut out. But I hired you. Ashley, this arrangement, she gestured at them both, isn't going to work unless we are 100% honest with each other, starting now. She needs to be in control. If she finds out I had the power to hire her, it's over. Too bad I'm an awful liar. Truth? Okay. Evermore didn't make the choice to hire you. I did. He told me it was time to start apprenticing with someone else and gave me three options. You were the one I chose. Or, if we're being 100% honest, whoever I spoke to at the Martian South Pole was the one I chose. She and I could work together. Her face hardened, and the Medusa eyes were back. If we're being honest, I was playing you. There's nothing between us. There will never be anything between us. I'm willing to continue working with you, but I require formality. The jokes, the tardy delivery of my assignment, the casualness has to stop. He could see that she wanted to believe it. But there was a loneliness so enormous that it towered over the walls surrounding her. She wants to control me so she can control herself. She's lying. He flipped everything she said and played it back in his mind. There's something between us. There will always be something between us. He couldn't help himself but smile at the thought that one day, at the very least, she would let him in close enough to smell the scent of her hair. That's when she hit him. His eyes were closed, but he could smell the wine on her breath. He held half a sob deep in his chest, but a silent procession of tears escaped before he was able to control them. The sting of her hand on his face didn't recede. It increased and melted out from the point of impact, until his entire head was pounding with waves of pressure and pain. He tried to hide his face so she wouldn't see him cry. He hated that. He told her what she wanted to hear. I'm sorry, Mama. He could hear the old linoleum crackle beneath her wobbling weight. Sorry for what? she challenged. It wasn't a question of what he had done. He was a bad child. A forgetful, ungrateful boy. He was the reason his father left. He tried to remember what it was that he had done. Don't wet the bed. Don't talk back. Don't slam the door. Don't make a mess. Don't leave the lights on. Why'd you hit me? Asshole, Ray said, hastily gathering her work papers. She walked to the elevator, slammed her hand into the button, and waited. Four long seconds passed. She avoided looking anywhere but straight ahead at the EI logo engraved on the doors. Ashley stood. Say something. Anything or she's gone forever. The elevator doors opened and closed. As she disappeared from sight, Ashley's cheek throbbed, but the only pain he experienced was in his chest. He sat down on the floor. I'm so goddamn stupid. Evermore had often told him that someday he would need to get his balls back. It had always embarrassed him, and it pissed him off to be called something less than a man. But he was less than a man. He replayed the scene in his head. Fuck that, I stood my ground. I stood there facing her fury and her fire. I know she was lying, and I chose not to eat her bullshit. His heart began to beat faster, and he started to sweat. That was Ray. That was the real Ray. Raw and real and hot. He thought of that loneliness behind her wall of fire and thought, I had a crush on you before, but now I think I'm in love. Ray Ray was enormously dissatisfied at how peacefully the elevator doors slid shut. On the ground floor, she held up her professional air as she walked across the lobby, 
nodded politely to the pretentious blonde receptionist, and exited the EI building. It was just past one in the afternoon, and the digitally enhanced sun shone in her eyes. At the corner, she turned west down Maple Avenue. A private courier zipped past on a souped-up scooter, making her feel enormously slow, but it felt good. Everything else in her life was moving too fast. After a distance, she settled into the anonymity only a city can provide. Her shoulders relaxed, and she allowed herself to feel the event for the first time. But the emotions came all at once. The memory of Ashley's vacant, terrified eyes which seemed to be looking somewhere else completely. The feeling of power and control that she had stolen through violence now turned into compassion and shame. The sound of the slap almost brought tears to her eyes, but then she remembered that sleazy, overconfident smile. It's amazing how clueless men are. Put yourself in my shoes, Ashley Raphael. You're part of a minority, and everyone you work for looks at you with X-ray eyes. Do you have any idea how many fantasies I'm probably in? Do you even have a concept of what would happen if I indulged in a single one of them? From where I stand, I'm one of them. But once I cross that line, I become a different animal and I can never go back. But she was the one who had lost control and shown him that animal. I baited him with my flirting. I led him into an emotional ambush, and I punished him for it. I should resign. Ugh, I would have hit me. I would have at least expected him to get angry, but it never crossed his mind. I wish I could know what he was thinking. In spite of herself, she smiled as she remembered his grin. She thought back to their phone conversation, back before he was Evermore's protege, before he was so young, before he was even remotely connected to her career, when he could be the object of her fantasy. A heavily bearded man in a lab coat walking the opposite direction down the street gave her a friendly nod as they passed. It was quick, but she saw him glance at her chest. Ray gagged dramatically. Ugh, why can't I just be a scientist? A hollow opened in her chest and brought with it a loneliness which she tried to crush under all the work she had ahead of her. Ashley was probably right. Evermore doesn't want anything from me but excellence. She noticed Demios, the smaller of Mars's moons, speeding toward the western horizon. She watched it for a moment, wondering if it had passed in front of the sun as it should, or behind the sun, since it was actually just an image created by the simulated environment. But then she realized so is this large version of the sun, and she found that she no longer cared. I live on a world named after a god of war, orbited by his sons Phobos and Demios, fear and dread. This is no place for women who are anything less than Amazons. She smiled. Ashley certainly met my Amazon today but then she realized that he had never actually tried to show her up. He was just trying to hold his own, which is even more important now that he doesn't have anything to back it up. His relationship to Evermore was the only credentials he had. Maybe that's what Evermore was talking about when he asked me to take care of him. Ray looked around and realized she'd been aimlessly walking and didn't know where she'd ended up. She checked the map on her Omni and realized she was close to Kander and Jensen Laboratories. She had told Kander that she would make her decision by the end of the week. I don't need that long. Maybe I should tell him in person, she thought, and oriented herself in the right direction. After half a block, she realized that her hand had been searching for something in her pocket, and that she was looking for the square of aluminum foil. Her hand retracted, empty. Three days. Ray arrived at the lonely sycamore line courtyard in front of Candor and Jensen Laboratories. The receptionist seemed to recognize and be surprised to see her. Dr. Dahlia, he said. You're not due at work until Friday. I'm aware. I was hoping to see Dr. Kander. If he's not available now, I'll make an appointment. Please, have a seat, he gestured at the chairs sprinkled around the courtyard. They were the same model as the ones at EI. She took out her Omni and opened the contacts list. The entry for the chemist was still there. 
Three days, it reminded her again. She closed it and selected Ashley. Call or text, asked a pop-up. Neither, she said, and put it away. This has been Chapter 7 of The Mother of Dark Space by Tyler McNamara. Episode 8 of Earwig Serials was brought to you by... Uh, doing my best here. Shu Sheen Shei Shi Hexapro, sourced from cricket farms on the Maoshan Centrifuge Station. Shu Sheen Shei Shi is the only insect-based protein substitute guaranteed to taste and feel like chicken. And they put chicken in scare quotes. Personally, I'm not picky about what I eat. I'm not all ew bugs, but Shu Sheen Shei Shi Hexapro does actually taste like chicken, especially if you haven't eaten chicken in a few months. I've also tried their other flavors, whitefish and bacon. Uh, I didn't realize they had a third one, uh, snake. Um, haven't seen that one. Uh, I bet it's only available on Phobos. Anyway, thanks to our sponsor, and please contact info at Earwig Publishing if you would like to sponsor an episode. And until next time, Tyler out.